Welcome to the Gastro and Teritis Blues, once again live on Locker Room. Uh, my name is Steve Lipman. I'm joined by Emily Anderson. And, no, I'm not. I was looking at your, I apologize, I was looking at your name on Locker Room, which is still Anderson. I'm with Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. Emily, do you forgive me? Maybe. Okay, great. Covered. Uh, Dan, I'd like to ask you, as somebody who really, really hates the Celtics more than most people, how are you reacting to the news of the day, which just to catch any listeners up, uh, is that uh, Boston head coach Brad Stevens is now going to be the head of basketball operations for the Celtics. Danny Ainge is uh, uh, resigning and uh, apparently retiring as from his role as Celtics pre- president. How do you view this as a Sixers fan? What do you think? So like, the first thing I thought of was – the poll from Chris Mannix three years ago that asked if you were starting a yep. team, would you rather have Brad Stevens as coach or any NBA player? Really and good stuff. Stevens got like a full third of the vote and only lasted three more years coaching. So I think that's awesome. Even LeBron <laughs> is still one of the best players in the league. You didn't even have to take a young guy. Um, but in terms of how it, how it affects the Sixers, I think it's probably a good thing. Maybe for the Celtics, they felt like they needed to change, but you know, Ainge has made some bad moves the last couple of years, but ultimately has still been one of the better execs in the league. And Stevens has been a good coach for a while now. So to get him out of coaching, I mean, I think that is probably a positive. Yeah, and I mean, there's no telling how he's going to do with the president of basketball ops title. You know, that, that can be a difficult thing. So uh, I have another tweet here. This is from Chris Haynes who said that the Lakers assistant coach Jason Kidd and former Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce are expected to be head coaching candidates for the Celtics. Uh, What do you think about those two names? Uh, I think it's funny. Jason Kidd gets floated for basically every single job. Um, What do you think uh, about the the possibility of those guys uh, being the new head coach in Boston? It's kind of funny. Uh, Both of them were really unsuccessful in their first, oh, I guess for, for Lloyd Pierce, who I still like a lot in his first shot at being a head coach. And then Nate McMillan's come in since, and, and the team has been a lot better. Uh, and Jason Kidd has been a head coach with Brooklyn and with Milwaukee and was just like a complete failure, both places. So I don't know why anyone would consider him at all. I think that, you know, Lloyd Pierce, you could at least make more of a case, but it's, it's kind of weird name. I still remember when the uh, Lakers were hiring, going through the hiring process that, that ultimately led to uh, – there was a, a report from Ramona Shelbourne that uh, Jason Kidd's history of domestic violence sort of run-ins uh, has them worried about making him the head coach, and instead they'd like him to be an assistant coach. So it feels like an odd moral stance to take that uh, they'd love to hire him, but they don't want him to be the main guy. Emily, what's your reaction to uh, – the news of the day with the Celtics and how do you feel? Um, it's kind of wild. I don't, was this like telegraphed by anyone besides like when they started talking about it? Like I didn't have any idea this was coming. Um, so it was kind of interesting. I also find it interesting that it's not that like 
Brad Stevens is moving on. He wants to coach somewhere else, try something. Like, he's just getting out of coaching. Like, he just doesn't want to coach anymore. Yeah, um, you know, he was uh, – uh, just to interrupt, he was offered a head coaching job at a college. I forget which one. Let me know if you guys remember which college. I think was offering him $70 million to be the head coach, and he turned it down. I think it was Indiana. I think it was Indiana, right. Um so I think that raised some eyebrows at the time just because of the size of that job and the Celtics uh, weren't having a good season. Uh, but but here it is. So, yeah, uh, keep going. Yeah, so he's just not wanting to coach anymore. Um, as far as the potential replacements, um, I'd like to see Lloyd Pierce get another good shot at coaching. I know that the Hawks didn't do great under him, like you said, but I'd like to see him get another shot somewhere. Um, I don't know. Other than that, it's the Celtics. I, no matter who their coach is, I'm not going to like them. So, right. Yeah. You know, with that being said, I feel like I don't want Lloyd to go there because I, I'd like to I somewhat like root for Lloyd. Yeah. Right. Good point. Um, so I, you know, give them one of the Van Gundys would be fun or just some other head coach that I don't really care about. Dan, would any, are there any head coach potential candidates that would scare you that, you were sort of hoping don't go to the Celtics because you think they could do a lot with their roster currently? Yeah, I'd be more sad if than anything if Brett Brown got hired for that oh, job. Oh, man, um, that would be rough. I'd love to see Brett get another shot. You know, I really liked Brett during his time here. But, oh, my goodness, if I had to hear him talk about how good Jason Tatum is all the time, I think I'd be so upset. I'd be like, oh, man, imagine – Imagine if we could have heard that while Brett was still in Philly. And oh, yeah, yep. Well, so uh, we'll monitor the day, see how things go. I think the other storyline is that Mike Zarin has been like the number two personnel guy in Boston for forever, and has interviewed for every job and turned down a bunch of them, and really seemed like the heir apparent for Danny Ainge. And instead, Brad Stevens just completely steps over him and takes that job uh, when Ainge leaves. So. I wonder what happens with him. Uh, you know, I, you know, uh, Darren Morey has past experience over there. I'm sure he still has connections over there. Uh, we'll see if he, you know, rejiggers his staff at all after his first year with Philly. But Sixers played game four. It was not good in any measurable way. It was bad. Joel Embiid got hurt uh, in about the first quarter. Uh, he It looked like he went down hard on his tailbone. But then uh, he, the team ruled him out for the rest of the game with uh, knee soreness. Um, yesterday, Woj uh, tweeted that Joel Embiid will be doubtful for game five, which happens tonight. He had an MRI on his right knee today and is expected to be evaluated further in the next day. Um, Woj went on to report, uh, speaking on uh, SportsCenter, he said, I'm told largely there is optimism around the knee that this is not a serious injury. This is not necessarily something that's going to keep him out. Uh, Kyle Newbeck of uh, Philly Voice reported the same, just about how that it doesn't seem like something scary, which is what, of course, we're all scared of when Embiid misses any time, and especially with a knee. So uh, let's start here. Emily, how do you feel about the, the state of things with Joel? And, you know, do you have like an optimism, optimistic slash pessimistic leaning uh when you think of this stuff and and i i believe you're going to the game tonight give me uh your feelings on the whole thing so i tend anyone who has listened to any of our stuff knows that i tend to to lean on the optimistic side so i'm going to continue to do that and think that all of these reports are true and it's not something to be super worried about 
he played after the injury for like a series or two. Um, and I thought he looked good actually. Like I see he like picked up speed at one point. Like he wasn't just kind of like loping around. Like there was some acceleration to his running. Um, I thought he looked okay. And then when he walked back to the to the locker room, I didn't see like any limp or really anything. He seemed to like walk. He walked back by himself, obviously. So all of that gives me a lot of optimism that this is just like extra, just being extra safe. You know, he's had knee things in the past. It was his other knee earlier this season. Um, and just trying to make sure that we've got him for the for the rest of the playoffs. I don't think he's going to play tonight, which is a bummer because I am going and I've been to like four games this year and Joel hasn't played in any of them. That's um, such bad luck. It yeah. is. It's really bad luck for me. I'm so <laughs> excited. But I, I do think that the Sixers can, will close it out tonight. The stadium is going to be at 100%. Um, I think it's going to be electric. I'm really excited. And then hopefully we can get him like, what is it, like five days rest. If the Knicks and Hawks can keep it longer even more than that. Right. So, hopefully New York wins tonight and they extend that series. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. It. I feel okay. I want, okay, I want cool. confirmation, but I feel okay. Yeah. Dan, uh, what about you? How do you feel about uh, the Joel Embiid sort of status in terms of his health uh, as it relates to tonight and just the playoffs overall? Yeah, I feel good about it now that those reports have come out from, like I said, both Kyle and Woj. Uh, I was a little concerned at first. I know we were texting about it. I, I, like, I agree with everything Emily said and that like he looked basically fine in the time he stayed in. But it's just the time of year where even an injury that's not that major can cause you to miss like a whole series, which is obviously for Joel so important and basically crushing to the team. So, I mean, you even look at like Bertans earlier that day was, you know, with his calf strain six to eight weeks. And, you know, if, if there was something with the knee with Joel, it could even be something minor that could be, you know, two weeks, which is a whole series. So that was basically my, my biggest concern. But once those reports came out, I've been feeling a lot better about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Woj report yesterday was pretty uh, ambiguous because it didn't say what the exact results of the MRI were. Kyle Newbeck, uh had some stuff about uh, basically how uh, the way that the league mandates that you need to put out a report by 5 p.m. sort of uh, accelerated the time where the Sixers had to put something out and the MRI resu- results were not completely clear and uh, you know, we'll see. I think that we'll hear something momentarily about tonight, but all of the signs seem to be pointing in the right direction. Um, I think I said to you guys last night that I just refuse to accept a devastating injury for Joel. So until I absolutely have to, I'm going to just opt to be optimistic about it and uh, deny any sort of uh, scary signs that are coming out of that. Uh, talking about the game, it was terrible. It was really bad. Um there's, you know, we obviously will have to have a larger Ben Simmons discussion, but uh, in terms of the game overall, what do you think really went wrong for the team uh, other than everything? Uh, you know, Joel only played 11 minutes. Tobias Harris went 8 of 24 from the field, his first bad game in a while. Um, you know, take me through it. How, Dan, how did you feel watching it? And, like, what's your what was your aggravation level at the end of that game, uh, apart from all of the Simmons stuff, which will – be its own sort of thing. So 
I'll say my aggravation level was honestly not that high. Um, just because everything went wrong and it's hard to get too worked up about it, especially when Joel is out. It's a series we were up three to one in. Uh, I don't think it's a huge deal to not sweep the series. It's like, it's not like a big concern that we couldn't close out the Wizards in only four. I mean, Boston took one from Brooklyn with all of Brooklyn's players healthy. So I'm not overly, you know, concerned about it. And I just really did my best to brush it off. It was an annoying game. Um, Tobias was not as good as he's been lately, to say the least. And, um, you know, after Joel went down, I don't think him or Ben did nearly enough to to carry them to the win, which is honestly something we've seen a lot of. And the solution is just have Joel be healthy. Um, so as long as Joel can come back healthy, I think it's just one you got to brush off. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. What about you, Emily? Yeah, I agree. I do have to say, um, in, I mean, like you said, Tobias and Ben didn't do enough to bring us to the win, but I, I was impressed a little with, like, they were really aggressively rebounding, which sometimes with when Joel's in, that's, like, not something they do because he's there, and um, they don't need to do it as much because he's right there, or Dwight's in and Dwight's doing it, but, like, together they had 15 rebounds combined which between Harris and Simmons which I just think is I mean there was some you know aggressiveness and going into that which I appreciate um I also I mean yeah having Joel is the answer but I need I hate to shit on Dan's guy Dwight but like I need more than one point from Dwight Howard yeah this is a bad Dwight game and I think <laughs> that his second uh recently at least his second recently he was 0 for 3 from the field one for four from the free throw line uh he was a minus 10 he only had four rebounds in, in his 14 minutes which is uncharacteristic of him um yeah we can go into sort of the backup center stuff obviously Dwight will play tonight I, I doubt he starts because uh, I think as often as possible Doc has been trying to keep Ben and Dwight separate um it was absolute yeah, it was real night of the living dead when Mike Scott came in the game, 17 minutes. He was a plus five somehow. He was 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3. Um, you know, as the kids say, Mike Scott ain't, ain't it, uh, ain't it, Chief. Was that good? Guess not. Stay on mute. So <laughs> the, uh, the the real question is what to do uh, at backup center on, at a game like tonight. You know, is the answer – you know, playing somebody like Thibel in the starting lineup and just having Ben be the center. My issue or concern with that always is like, you want Ben to guard Bradley Beal. So who's guarding the rim? And the answer would probably have to be, I guess, Tobias. Like, there isn't really a great answer here, especially against a team with a star player like Beal that you want to keep Simmons on. Emily, what would you do tonight uh, in terms of the center situation? Um, I think... I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but... Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I'm just going to, like, say whatever <laughs> I want. Um, <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is I know that we try... They try and keep Ben and Dwight off the court at the same time. I think Doc might have to get a little, like, creative with lineups here because I think that if we have a lot of Dwight minutes, I'm going to put my bold prediction out there that... I think he's going to have a good game tonight because of the way that he feeds off the crowd. 
And he does I love the crowd. Being in a full capacity home arena with the way a crowd loves Dwight, I think that that is going to like make him have a good game. I just think that it is. So that wasn't really an answer to your question because I starting lineup, I don't know. I don't want Ben to play center because, like I said, like you said, there's no one guarding the rim. And I don't love that. But I'm just going to say I think Dwight has a good game tonight. However, Doc figures out these lineups. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Dwight has been disappointing so far this series. But I, I am not a huge believer in the in the Ben and Tobias, like, half at the four, half at the five each lineups. They haven't been good. They haven't played a lot of them. Um, and it's so easy to look at and be like, Dwight stunk and the Dwight minutes have been bad, but like all of the non-Embiid minutes have been bad. The non-Embiid minutes with Ben and Tobias on without Dwight have been bad too, like all season. So there's not a great solution. Even if, yeah, you could say, you know, you have Tobias more around the rim. Um, I don't think that's a great answer because he's really not a very good rebounder at all. Like I think, you know, basically six rebounds is a solid, rebounding game for Tobias. Ben's a much better rebounder. Um, but you again, you want Ben on Beal. That's what he's best at. That's where he's going to have the biggest impact on defense. So I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I think the best solution is Dwight needs to play better. I don't know if that'll happen, but I hope Emily's right and that he'll feed off the crowd because that would be, I think, the most, I guess, um, the most... Uh, successful solution if if you could just pick one thing to work out yeah you know i was just thinking about uh you know projecting ahead in the brooklyn nets who love to go small um and and thinking like okay maybe they should really start to deploy these bennett five lineups because they might have to run them against brooklyn and figure out a way to play but then i remember in the game the other night with the celtics the closeout game from last night the Celtics went really small, and James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant were just walking to the rim, just absolutely getting everything they want at the rim. So I don't even know if that's the right call there. I, I sort of think that keep your perimeter guys on Brooklyn's perimeter guys to try to limit the damage as much as you can. Um, we'll see. I, I think that, man, if Mike Scott starts tonight, it's going to be a real kick in the chiclets. Um, let's uh, – Eric is a uh, – loyal listener and i just he just wanted to pop in here for a second on locker room eric what do you got buddy how are you we have eric eric how are we eric how we feeling all right eric is gone i'm all alone everyone this is live tv moving on emily what do you have to say I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to make it a long pause. <laughs> I hit the mute button and it took me back to the to the main room and I was like, oh no, I'm doing it to Steve. Oh no. For a second, I thought I was completely alone in here and uh, that's not a good feeling. At least what's been happening to me is every time I go to say something like locker room, not like every week, locker room tells me they have an update and I have to get kicked out and update my app and then I get come back in. So at least that didn't happen. It happened earlier, but not this time. Okay, good. Um, Can we talk about Tyrese Maxey? I was just going to say, I was just going to say what a wonderful game from Tyrese who looks like a real 
so much. A real rotation guy. He went six of 12 from the field, two of three from three, 15 points in 22 minutes. Um, yeah, what did you think of him? And what did you think of Doc's decision to uh, basically pull him at the very end of the game for Seth? Um, I was okay with it. The, the pooling decision just because I don't know Seth is just more proven as I guess but I was imp- I mean Maxi had a better shooting night um but Maxi I was really impressed with his like composure in yeah. this you know like kind of crunch time minutes the, like hitting big shots he like didn't really celebrate it didn't seem to phase him he was just like very locked in and I found that really impressive for a kid that I guess, I mean, he but missed most of his, like, freshman season. Like, he barely played in college because of COVID. So, like, to not really have those big games in, in college and then to come here and play those minutes in a big game on the professional level and be so, like, confident and composed, I was super impressed with him. Yeah, same here. Dan, what did you think of uh, Tyrese there? And, you know, it's so funny. At the trade deadline, I feel like a lot of us – absolutely would have done the maxi for a Kyle Lowry trade and just gotten Lowry here. And then I think about this off season where Lowry will be available again. I sort of feel like there's no way I'm sending maxi for a then 36 year old Kyle Lowry. What do you think of that? And what do you think of Tyrese uh, in the last game? Yeah, I, I, he was, he was really good. He's a lot of fun to watch. He always looks like he's having fun. He's got a great smile out there. So love him for all of those reasons. And he was legitimately very good. He's been really good for a while now. I agree. I would not trade him for Lowry at the time I would have. Um, and that would have been the wrong move. It it kind of feels like Daryl would have too. If that's, that- yeah, I mean, that would be my guess from what we were reading, but right yeah. from all the rumors. And it's very weird. The, the Raptors fans thought this was such like a win for them. They were so weird about it and like really annoying about it with all the like, Oh, like, that'll teach them not to make like a bad <laughs> offer to Masai. Meanwhile, Masai is probably going to leave this off season. That's part of the rumors that Masai's out. And, right. <laughs> and, and Lowry played nine games after the deadline. Lowry, they won like three more games when he was in the lineup the rest of the year or something ridiculously low like that. And yeah, he did nothing for him. I would at Matsy's looking like he's like a legitimate starter going forward. And there's all kinds of concerns about age and what his next contract is and, you know, how much can he play with Lowry that I'm very glad the Sixers didn't make that deal. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think that the Sixers are very lucky to have Maxi and, and he's improved so much this year. And it's been just really great to see him out there. Um, so it's sort of a perfect storm of things that went wrong for the Sixers in this game. Uh, Joel only played 11 minutes. He got hurt. Uh, Tobias Harris was inefficient and just, just didn't have it. Had a bad game. Oh, and by the way, to Emily's point about the rebounding, uh, you're right. The eye test was right there. Ben had 12 rebounds and Tobias had 13. So they definitely picked up the slack on the glass with Joel out. Um, and then the third thing that happened is that Ben Simmons got in foul trouble. He had five fouls, which limited him to 25 minutes. And now we can talk about Ben. Uh, in this game, Ben went four or five from the field. They did the hack a Ben thing at the end of the game, uh, a stretch during which he went, I believe three of six overall, he was five of 11 from the free throw line. Um, this was just a lot of 
you know, it was a very polarizing thing. You know, this isn't the first time that Scott Brooks and Washington have done this. Um, I want to know what you guys think about Ben and, and the free throws and everything that has sort of come out after it. Of course, Doc Rivers, after the game, went to bat for Simmons. He he will not say anything negative about Ben um, in the media, which honestly I, I just think is the right and sort of only move to make for him because – We've seen it with Brett where he tried to challenge him in the media and it wasn't the right thing. And I certainly wouldn't want him doing the Doug Collins stuff. So like, sure, go to bat for him. He's your star player. Like, why not? This was uh, also from Kyle Newbeck. Doc Rivers said, this is after the game uh, the other night, says that he dislikes that the Ben Simmons quote unquote narrative continues uh, about his scoring free throws. He never thought about pulling him. Uh, he says, if I'm Ben at some point, I'd get tired of it. You guys keep the Ben Simmons narrative going. We're going to keep playing. Um, tell me what you think about all of this stuff, uh, Dan. What do you think about the the Hacka-Simmons strategy? Do you think it's a tenable thing that they'll see going forward? What do you think of Doc's comments? What do you think of all of it? What do you got on? Oh, God. How am I, How long am I allowed to talk to <laughs> Um the I think Hackaben is not a good strategy, and I don't think we'll see it in a series where we're not up three zero and they're trying to steal a game. Yes, um, I the totally big, agree. Sorry, the bigger concern he's is that he's shooting twenty five percent from the foul line, and when you're going to play close games against Brooklyn, Milwaukee, that could kill you. Um, I think it's before we get to the doc stuff. I think it's weird to not expect more from Ben. Like he's had a good series so far, but. I don't. I feel like that doesn't need. You don't need to preface with that every time. Like by Ben's own admission, right? They talked to him after the game, and Ben said, "I just have to make my foul shots. I just have to make them." And you know, I should have been more aggressive, or you know, sorry, assertive. I guess when Joel went out, he only took had two field goal attempts after Joel went out. I agree. I I think he's you know very self aware to say that. I think that that's basically correct. Um, By the way, I was sort of surprised and and happily surprised to hear him saying that. Um, I think that we hear from Joel all the time saying that he has to do more. And I'm talking about himself. Like, I play like crap, all of this kind of stuff. And I don't think we hear that as much from Ben. So I was happy to hear him be, like, self-critical after a game where uh, he didn't play. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And But, of course, the narrative, you know, the thing you hear is, like, he's not why we lost. He's not why we lost. And it's like. That's not how things work in the NBA with stars. Like, our fan base just absolutely slandered Rudy Gobert because they lost a game one without Donovan Mitchell. Like, that's how things go. The the onus is on the stars to win you the game, not to not lose you the game. Like, Ben was the best player left, left after Embiid went down, and so it's on him. Like, I think this a lot, and it doesn't really come up because it's not so, like, polarizing, but when Joel plays and the Sixers lose... I often think, like, Joel could have done more, and I think, like, he should have done more. And it doesn't really come up, but I think it's a really normal thing to think, and it's not a huge deal. Like, Ben, like, the Sixers are still better with Ben on the floor. They're still better with Embiid on the floor. It doesn't mean either of them couldn't have done more, right? I think it's kind of that simple. Like, Ben needed to do more. He admitted it. He's still, like, they would have lost by more if he wasn't on the floor. Obviously, he's their best player. He just needed to step up more. So that's where I'm at on that. I think it's silly to like dance around that point in some kind of weird defensive Ben. Like he's he's very good. They needed him to do what he did and then some. Um, for the doc stuff, I mean, I, I think it's the right thing to defend Ben. I don't 
really like how he did it. I kind of agree with a lot of the media that took issue with it. Um, <laughs> I mean, part of it is, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's like an audience of one with him and that audience is Ben, or if he doesn't get honestly why he's being asked about Ben all the time. But like the reason he's being asked about Ben is because people realize Ben is so good, not because they think he sucks. Like the people who think he sucks are like the Twitter trolls. They're not the people in the media asking the questions. Like Ben is great. So his improvement is a topic. Brett was asked about Embiid getting in shape constantly last year. Then Embiid got in shape. He wasn't asked about it anymore. Right. There's a reason Doc isn't asked about Shake's struggles for the last three months every single day. And it's because Shake isn't Ben. Ben is great, and people get that. That's why it comes up. And, like, you can defend Ben without acting like it's not important to make foul shots at the end of the game. That's weird. Like, like Doc knows infinitely more basketball than any of us know, and that's great. He's the coach. He knows basketball. No one's questioning him about his X's and O's. No one's questioning him about, you know, if Ben knows basketball. Ben knows basketball, too. That's not the question. But the point that he needs to make his foul shots in a close game and Doc's like, well, what do you want me to do? Sit him until there's two minutes left? Like, like straw manning the entire city, the face of the franchise. Uh, why? Like, like he has to make his foul shots. It's, it doesn't take a genius basketball mind to realize that it's important. Not just Ben. Dwight missed foul shots too, but Ben is the star. It's going to come up. They hacked to Ben. Um, th- like, yeah, it's important to make him. Ben said it himself. Like, there's a way to defend Ben without implying that the majority of the fan base thinks that Ben shouldn't even be in the game. Ben's going to get sick of it and want to leave. I, I, it's so weird to me. And and he does this with Ben. He defends him constantly. And this is Ben's first year under Doc. And all Doc does is talk. He loves Ben. He loves Ben. And that's great. But Ben's averaging a career low in, in like basically every major stat under Doc. So why is that, Doc? Like, is it that those stats are not indicative of anything? I guess you could argue that. Uh, Dave Early has made the case that he doesn't like how Doc's using Ben. He thinks he has him in the dunker spot too much. So I think it's it's just a little bit strange. I, I don't love how he handled it in terms of the implication that, you know, fans want them to, like, not play Ben or do something ridiculous. I, I don't think that's true. I think that people just understand the importance of foul shots. And when you're a great player and you have a weakness that comes up at the end of a game, the coach is going to be asked about it. I, I don't understand the whole, like, oh, so you think Ben stinks, you know, straw man in response. No, Ben is great. No one's saying he's not. And he's been good this series. He just can't shoot 25%. And when Joel's out, he needs to be more assertive. And he said those things himself. And he's right. Yeah, I think uh, I I think the audience of one thing that you brought up is definitely true. I think that like they understand that star egos are a delicate thing, and that there's a way that different players like to be handled. And I think it's very clear that Ben doesn't want to hear, um, you know, talking in the media negatively about him. Um, I do agree that Doc was a little overly snippy at the reporters and like insinuating that they don't know what they're talking about in asking those questions. But again, I, I just think that he's probably uh one track mind of like, let's keep Ben confident. Let's keep him like feeling supported and all of that stuff. Emily, where do you land on this stuff? Uh, you know, how are you feeling during the hack of Ben portion? And like, you know, how do you feel about the uh, conversation that has come out of it? 
So in regards to the Hackabin, and this is probably just me being a shameless homer, but the Hackabin and the the Ben Simmons foul trouble, I just always, and I probably, if I was a Washington fan, I wouldn't be saying this, but I think it's a cowardly way to play basketball. It's like basically like, I mean, it's smart. Don't get me wrong, but like the, Scott Brooks was basically like, we're not even going to give them a possession down the floor. Or like when Ben's in foul trouble, they put Westbrook on him and to get him to draw another foul. Like I said, it's smart basketball, but I'm just like, you don't trust your guys to play actual real basketball against our guys. So you're going to do this like little trick that you have to put Ben at the line. Like, cool way to go. Right. So proud of you for that. I hated it. Um, but it worked. So whatever. In regards to Ben, I'm going to disagree with Dan, I guess, a little. I didn't mind any of Doc's comments about Ben. I think that, especially, like, right after the game, like, Doc's probably pissed they lost. Doc doesn't know really what's going on with Embiid. And then, he's like you said, he's probably sick of these Ben questions. And I think I do think that everyone in this city and the media want Ben to be, like, a a 35-point-a-night guy. And if that isn't what Ben is, then like stop trying to make it happen. I guess it's possible that Ben could be that guy, but we've never seen him be that guy consistently. We've seen Joel be that guy consistently. We've seen Tobias be like a 30 point a night guy consistently, but we've never seen it from Ben. So why, even though we've seen flashes of it, why are we expecting Ben to do that every night? And then they just keep asking these questions and I, I would get sick of it too. Like, I don't really think that he is, I mean, he did kind of insult the intelligence of the fans and the media, but I just think that he was in a pissy mood and coaches are allowed to be in a bad mood and kind of snap back. Like, and I do think that it's rare that on a night when Ben does something good, like say that game one, when he had the 15 and 15, people want to talk about the six points. They don't ever talk about the things that he did well, that the six points was that main narrative. And we talked about that and how it was kind of stupid, but I think it's true that those that people tend to pick up Ben's flaws more than what he's good at. And if I were Ben and if I were his coach and kind of trying to lead him into the into his strengths, maybe more than the things that he needs to work on, especially in these playoffs. And all people want to do is pick at the things that he's not doing and not focus on the things that he is doing. I think it would be frustrating. Um, it's good that Ben recognized that he needed to step up and I'm sure he is not happy with his free throw shooting. Like he's been improving on that throughout his career and it's kind of dropped off in these playoffs, which is not great. And, but I'm sure he knows that, like he doesn't need people telling him that. So I get the frustration. I was really was not, didn't care about the comment. I wasn't mad about it. I thought it was funny. Um, I really like the, like, you guys keep talking about Ben, we're just going to win thing. I love that. Um, so that's where I am on that. Yeah, I, I go ahead, buddy. No, I was just going to say, I mean, part of my issue with it is that no one has asked Ben to be a 40 point a game guy. Uh, well, first of all, no, obviously no one's a 40 point a game guy. Um, I think that there's times when Ben is expected to take on the scoring load and hasn't, um, I, I, I guess, you know, part of the reason Ben comes up is because it's interesting and polarizing, but that's kind of just how things are with stars. I mean, no one really gave it easy to Joel until this year when he finally changed, right? Like that was the constant topic. Well, what if he can't stay healthy? Well, he's out of shape. He's out of shape. He's out of shape. He looks miserable out there. That was all of last year. So 
I, I, I and and then Joel fixed it, and and I don't really understand. Like this is how things are. This is how they've always been around here. I I don't have a problem with it, and weirdly, I think if you think about it truly, Ben is the most invested in player on this team, kind of by a lot, um, a lot more than Joel, I would say. Ben is um, Ben was the first pick in the draft. Ben is also on a max contract. Ben, according to multiple reports, is a big reason Jimmy Butler's not still here. So they have a ton, a ton invested in Ben to the point that they got rid of another star for Ben. And so I don't think Ben is a bad player by any means. Right? I think Ben is a, a great player. Ben's, Ben's a very, very good player. But because he's a very, very good player, that's how stars get treated, especially around here. Um, I, I understand that that can be frustrating and I don't really expect Ben to like go on Twitter and read any of those dumb comments or, you know, pay attention to the media all the time, but it's not like the media is talking to him and saying, Ben, you suck. Right. But he's asked about things fairly, right? Like Joel was asked about things when, when he was, you know, not what he could have been last year. And Ben's free throw shooting is basically like, I want to say it's like, 50% 50% since the new year or something awful. Like it's not just in the playoffs. It's dropped off. Um, and he's averaging career lows in points, rebounds and assists. So I think it's, it's fair to, to ask these questions. I also think doc is right to defend Ben and Ben is right to, you know, brush it off and, and do his thing. But, but that's kind of how stars get treated, especially here, but, but even elsewhere, like, like guys are going to like make fun of stars. Any loss is always going to be, on the stars. I mean, there were, there were jokes last night about, you know, LeBron not being able to do anything without Anthony Davis. That's just the nature of things. Like I, I, you have to be able to, to, I'm not saying that Ben shouldn't get annoyed by it or anything like that, but like as a fan base, we can't be so sensitive in in defending Ben. Like I totally get believing in Ben. I think he's a great player, but that's how it's going to be. That's how it is with every team stars. All fans of other teams are always going to, you know, make jokes on Twitter and all of that. And I, I don't mind it. I think it's fine. Um, before I share a bunch of uh, my Ben thoughts, um, when if and when teams do the hack of Ben thing, would you guys take him out of the game? I would not. Um, Dan, no. would you? No, I, I wouldn't take him out. I think he just needs to make them. Yeah. Um, yeah. He'll, I guess, just make them. Like, he'll... Yes, he's too important to have on the floor, and he should make them. Even if he, <coughs> excuse me, even if he misses um, some, even if he's shooting like fifty-five percent, that's still right. a, a good possession. If he's going to shoot that over the course of, you know, a few games, so I, I would, I would not take him out. Especially they can't do it in the last two minutes. Like it's not like right. It's not like it's going to completely throw you off like a surprise very end of the game. Just yeah, leave him in. I, I wouldn't take. Him. And and Emily, you wouldn't take him out, right? No, I wouldn't take him out. And just to say one more thing, I know you want to say your Ben thoughts, Steve, but who I cares think, about me? I do, but I do Aww. think that we're. I do think one. I don't care about other teams' fans' jokes. I don't give a shit what any other teams think. Um, but in regards to Ben, when Joel wasn't playing well last year, I think that we give Joel more of a pass because of his like delightful personality and just like his winning at life than we do Ben. Like, I don't think people were as hard on Joel last year when he wasn't in shape. I think people are like, oh, well, he's been hurt. Oh, he's so big. Oh, it's Joel. And I don't think that we give that same, like, 
path to Ben because he's not that like sparkling personality, not like that face of a franchise guy. I just think because of his personality, he gets hit harder in the media a little bit than Joel would. It could be. It could. It could be. Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, the hack Ben thing is not a like sound basketball strategy. I don't think that um, analytically it doesn't really make much sense. Even if he just hits half of them, it's still a, like a fine offensive possession from a from a, an efficiency standpoint and a team like Brooklyn or Milwaukee who is like you know has designs on winning the championship isn't just going to go ahead and concede a point every possession you know it, it's a gimmick like it's something that you do when you're a worse team stuck in the mud so I'm really not worried about that um the Ben stuff I I really think that it is fair to criticize him uh in a game where he didn't pick up the slack and they lost to a bad team. You know, I don't think it matters. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll win tonight regardless. Like, I really think it's fine. And also, like, in a larger way, like, I said to you guys a couple of weeks ago, like, I am – the Ben conversation, I am, like, punting it until the playoffs end for the Sixers because I feel like that is when things will all come to a head. And I don't need, you know, 30 different Ben uh, uh, discourses in, in the middle. Um, because it just is what it is. You know, at this point, uh, players generally improve in the offseason. Unless you're Tyrese Maxey, then you do it within the same four-week period. Um, it, it, he is who he is today, and that is not really going to change. Now, he has better games and worse games, and you need him to have better games against the best team. So he has to play better than he did in this game, and I trust that he will because he's a better player than that. Um you know, if he wasn't in foul trouble, maybe this isn't even a thing. Maybe they just have a big enough lead on Bro- on uh, Washington that the hack ben thing doesn't even make any sense down the stretch. Um, I think reporters asking Doc questions about it is totally fair. This is like literally their job. They're supposed to ask about the game and the players. And um, I certainly give Joel a pass for everything uh, I did last year. I'll do it next year. I'll do it forever. I love him more than most members in my family. That's how I feel. Um, and you're right. I think there are less um, absolute acolytes for Ben than there are for Joel, which makes the group of them that we have in the fan base even more vocal and even more dogmatic in their support of him because he's a guy who is, of course, a worse player than Joel, but uh, garners a lot more criticism and talking because he is such a strange player who just doesn't do one of these very elemental things in basketball, which just makes him a very odd uh, player to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that I he needs to shoot free throws better. Um, I think that, you know, he needs to overall be aggressive like he had been earlier in the series. I think they'll win tonight. Um, anything else on the Ben discussion from either of you guys before we just move on quickly to the uh, to game five tonight? I'll just say one more thing in that, um, like, I agree with you that, like, there's not really a ton of point of, of talking about Ben and, like, what he can, you know, change at this point in the season. Um, and I was basically in the same mindset. The, the main reason I had so many thoughts on it is more of the fan side of things or, at, at this time, the coach side of things. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, of course Ben needs to make his foul shots. Ben will tell you that himself. And, you know, while Ben has been, I think, very good so far in the playoffs – in this past game, he needed to do more once Joel went out. And he also will tell you that himself. I don't think it's a huge deal. It's one game against Washington. I really don't care. Um, I'm not 
any more worried about Ben than I've ever been or anything like that. I think he's actually been, been good. Um, it's just so frustrating to me that, and, and I, I get like to Emily's point that like, you know, I'm sure it comes up a lot in the media and, you know, there's a lot of like Twitter trolls, especially that, that I think we see that are just like Ben sucks. Um, and maybe that's, you know, part of why, but, but the Ben, you know, absolute fans who will basically never admit he could do, could have done anything better at any point and will always go to like, well, he's not the reason they lost is very frustrating to me. Um, like even like earlier that game, like Tobias was struggling. I tweeted like, oh, good, like play- normal playoff Tobias is back. Like after he's had a great series and I was just making a joke, like no one cares, right? Like it's like, oh, Tobias had a, besides that one guy who got weirdly mad at Steve in the middle of the season on Twitter, no one will <laughs> no one get mad at you for saying Tobias had a bad game. I hate that if, you could be, if you're like, oh, Ben needed to be better in this regard. You always have to preface it with like, but he's had a great series so far. He's done this. He's done this. He's a great player. Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, trash Ben, but I want to point out when he's not playing well. I've also pointed out when Joel's not playing well and when Tobias isn't playing well. And there's no secret that Joel's my favorite player on the team. And I think most people's favorite players on the team. But it's very weird that we can't have these discussions without like a million caveats of like, but he's been great. And also this, and also I still believe in Ben and like, no, you just you just need to be better. That's all. Like it, I don't. It like reminds to- me of of when we started the podcast and we would be like, you know, Tobias is over forty five from the field, yeah. but he's a really really nice guy, and, and <laughs> I bet he's a pleasure to be around. Um, yeah, I guess I I guess part of it is that there are a lot of people all the way the other direction who want to trade Ben for D'Angelo Russell, who like Ew. they like muddy the waters a little bit in terms of like who's That's criticizing fair. him because he needs to be better. Who hates him and wants him out of here? And who would trade him for the right price? Again, none of, none of this is a conversation for now in the playoffs when the Sixers are trying to move on and, and win a championship. But uh, that's just a guess as to why it's also polarizing. Yeah, the um, narrative has just become insufferable. Yes, yeah. Um, all right, to tonight. The Sixers play tonight. Uh, they play Washington at home. Emily will be there, as will a sold-out crowd uh, in Philadelphia. Joel currently still listed as uh, doubtful. I don't expect him to play sort of either way. You know, at this point, I expect him to be fine, and I also expect him to play or to not play. Um, I hope for Emily's sake that he does. Um, What do you guys think? Do they get the win tonight? Let's assume Joel does not play. Uh, Do they win game five and move on to the second round, Emily? Yeah, I think they win. Whether or not Joel plays, I think they win tonight. Um, Close it out. I hope there's confetti. Yeah, that'll be great. That'll be great. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I think they win. I think they. I think they wrap it up tonight. I agree. I agree, and uh, we're just gonna have to see. Hopefully, we get a positive Joel update that he's just like sort of day to day, and uh, hopefully, they. I, I agree. I think they. Get the win regardless. They play great at home, and uh, there will be a lot of juice in the building, and I think it'll be a good game from the players they need to have a good game. Finally, we can predict who is going to start tonight for the Sixers at center. Um, The winner, whoever is right, and we cannot pick the same person, the winner will get a special prize uh, from Emily uh, next week, which will be really cool. Why is it always me who's giving the prize? I'm really excited for that. Thank you so much. 
Um, I will flip a coin as to it's who can. <laughs> right. I'll flip a coin as to who can choose first. Uh, I'll say heads, and it's heads. Okay. Um, my prediction is Mike Scott. I think uh-huh. that uh, there's just no escaping him. Um, Emily, you got the second coin flip. Who do you choose? I guess I'll pick Dwight Howard. Okay. And then it seems we've run out of time. So good talking. I'm kidding. Dan, who is your choice tonight for the center that is going to start for the Sixers? Well, if those are your picks, can I just say Ben Simmons? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if we can't say the same guy, I'll say Ben Simmons at center and there's a, you know, maybe Matisse, a non-Mike or Dwight starter. All right, great. I think that uh, we'll see who wins. Emily, looking forward to seeing what you've prepared. You know, I don't want to spoil it. Um, <laughs> great talking to you guys. Uh, Emily, have fun at the game. And, uh, yeah, oh, good talking to you guys. Oh, I have one more thing. Please. Quickly. I just want to commemorate in audio how incredible Damian Lillard was last night. On, oh, my God, uh, June, unbelievable. June 1st, 2021. It was an out-of-body experience watching it. And I just, I'm sorry they lost, but it was, I feel blessed to have watched that on TV. The one where he completely turned around at the top of the arc and like did a spin before he shot. He was, I, I mean, I've, I've seen very few things like that, and, and it was amazing. Oh, also, tonight, hopefully, uh, for the Sixers' sake, but uh, sad for us, it will be Mark and Allah Abdelnabi's final game of the season as they don't broadcast in the second round. Uh, Allah is obviously now a friend of the podcast. Best of luck to them, and hopefully they – you know, get a great home win to go out on. Yes. Oh, and one more thing. Um, we are on Twitter. Uh, it's just me running the Twitter, but, you know, I tweet out when we have new episodes and stuff and, like, random Sixers thoughts. Uh, we're on Twitter at, at Pod, and you should follow us. We follow back anyone who listens to the pod, really just anyone, but anyone who listens to the pod. So come follow us and be our friends on the Internet. Yes, yes. Reach out on the Internet. Unless you have something negative to say. All right, guys. Yeah, good seeing you. Good seeing you. Great. I'm a loser. All right, have a good day. Emily, have fun at the game. Bye, guys. Bye, have fun, Emily.